Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by Chevy Drives, Chicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Chris Vosters. You already know the theme of this week's podcast, the only one to wear 81. We continue to celebrate the great Marion Hosa and hear from the Haas himself. Much more coming up on the podcast presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. Welcome inside the latest episode of Blackhawks Insider. Chris Vosters, Colby Cohen, Kaylee Chelios, happy Thanksgiving. Delighted to be with you. It's a wonderful time of year, both on and off the ice. I trust that everyone is ready to eat a ton of food later this week. Kaylee, I know I was talking to you about Thanksgiving at the at the Chelios household and, and even your extended family, your in-laws. Sounds like you do a little bit of Italian and American cuisine for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, between being Greek and Italian, it turns into more of a Mediterranean Thanksgiving. So my mother, my grandmother... Uh, in-law makes mastacholi from Maggiano's <laughs> and my my side usually makes like a Greek pasta Greek lasagna so it's it's not traditional Thanksgiving with the exception of my mother's cooking and my cooking but I'll take it I love Mediterranean food and it's you you eat until I think I'm going to put on 10 pounds this week I don't know what you're thinking Colby I know you're hosting yourself in your new house so that's exciting dad's in town and i know you bought a turkey cool (laughs) wait before we talk about me what's a greek lasagna it's called pastizio it's i don't have the accent down but yes it's very good it's it's got like a a breading like fila though on top instead of like the heavier cheese Mm -hmm. it's pretty famous in our house it goes very quickly so Maybe I'll bring some to you guys one day. I don't know how to make it myself. It's my grandmother's specialty. Well, there's not a red sauce, right, Kaylee, either? That, that's another difference? Yeah, I learned, like, from my dad growing up that, like, Greeks don't love sauces for whatever reason other than, like, traditional hummus and tzatziki. So there's no red sauce. It's not tomato-based. It's, like, a kind of plainer but really good-flavored pasta with meat and like a thick layer of a fila dough on top. It's very unique. Sounds really good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, yes, I will have family at my house. My dad will be joining us, bringing his five-month-old golden retriever, which will pair with my seven-month-old golden retriever, which is the reason that my wife wanted to leave for Thanksgiving and go to Florida to <laughs> get away from the madness that's going to be at my house. So. Yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, we play Wednesday and Friday, so it's a a pretty tight turnaround. Although last year, I'm pretty sure last year we were on a Western Canadian road trip and got in it from Edmonton at like 4 o'clock in the morning on Thanksgiving Day. So uh, this year will be a little bit easier from a travel standpoint. I'll be in the nice comfy confines of the NBC Sports studio on uh, Wednesday night while you guys are in Dallas and... Uh, doing your travels so um you guys will miss me on the road i'm sure have you cooked a turkey before i have not cooked a turkey before my dad is going to cook the turkey it's going to be a little tag team between my dad and and alex a couple couple traditional things and then a couple like more um jewish types of cuisines that that we like like kugel is is kind of the the main event for us as far as like the, <laughs> the one non-traditional 
more Jewish uh, type of offering, and, and Alex will make that. She's, she's perfected that over the last couple of years. But my dad's a good cook. I mean, you kind of get used to what you grow up eating, but, but he, uh, he taught my mom how to cook back in the day when they were young, young kids. And, and I'm looking forward to the fact that he's, he's coming here and he's going to handle <laughs> the cooking duties. That's awesome. I'll be up in Wisconsin for the day. I'm really looking forward to it. I don't have any kind of, you know, unique ethnic additions to just the standard American Thanksgiving cuisine. But for the last few years, my family has cooked the turkey on the big green egg. So we've basically smoked the turkey instead of just done it in the oven. And we've enjoyed uh, a couple of different variances of, of a traditional Thanksgiving turkey. We've done bacon wrapped Thanksgiving turkey. And uh, I, I've learned that when you smoke the turkey, you get a nice pink ring right underneath the skin. And it's not nearly as dry. And it's it's actually a really, really nice flavor as opposed to just the standard oven roasted turkey. But wait, I have also, one more. I have one more turkey question for both of you <laughs> before we actually talk about hockey. <laughs> have you guys ever had a fried Thanksgiving turkey like in the deep fryer? My billets one year um deep fried their turkey they did a regular one in the oven and a deep fryer and it was un i mean everything <laughs> fried is unbelievable but it was so good so i was you know we're in the midwest now so i was thinking maybe you guys have partaken in that i've had fried i've definitely had fried in tampa bay because as you know in the hockey schedule you have to eat elsewhere most of the time when you can't go home so i've had I had a great friend that was Dominican. I had a like Dominican Thanksgiving with fried turkey, rice, and all kinds of different foods that way. But I, I feel like I load up on everything else before I hit the turkey, so I don't really appreciate the turkey on Thanksgiving as much as I would like to, unfortunately. <laughs> there. Well, my last pro tip, if anyone is stuck with a dry turkey on Thanksgiving, break out a jar <laughs> of mayo and uh, oh. just – Spread a little bit of mayo on the turkey, and that takes it to a whole other level. It's supposed to stay a secret, Chris, but <laughs> here you are. <laughs> I did not gotta, know that. Got to share the knowledge. Got to share the knowledge. Hopefully my dad doesn't overcook the turkey. Well, uh, it, it, again, a great week that was started at the United Center on Sunday with Marion Hosa's Jersey Retirement Ceremony. Number 81 going to the rafters forever. Only one 81. That was one of the many really cool things that I learned in the week leading up to the ceremony on Sunday is that there's only one player in the history of the organization to wear number 81, and it's going to stay that way now that Marion Hosa's number has been retired. We have an interview that the three of us did with Marion from Fifth Third Arena last week. We're really excited to show that to you, but I just have to say... It was an awesome ceremony at the United Center, and it was the first one that I've gotten to experience, especially as a first-hand or a first-hand witness, eyewitness account to, to something like that. And again, the Blackhawks don't retire numbers very often, but I just thought that the organization did a, a fabulous job of making it a really, really special event. I was up in the press box. I know you two were as well, and I was pretty locked in, not going to lie. I, I kind of thought I'd be up there getting my notes ready for the game against Pittsburgh, sort of have it on in the background more or less. But I was locked in from, from the opening moment until, of course, the, the culmination when the jersey was lifted to the rafters. I thought it was, it was really, really cool. What did you guys think? 
You go first, Colby. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was sitting right <laughs> next to you, Chris, and, and it was it was visually so cool. I mean, obviously, the what the purpose was, was was an incredible achievement. I mean, to be have your number retired by an original six team, I think, has a little more, you know, oomph to it than than just having your number retired. But I just sitting in the press box, being able to see it so well, um, you know, from like the, the the aerial vantage point. I mean, the visual aspect of it was was incredible. It was, um, you know, all the the wristbands that were flashing everywhere. I mean, it just. Uh, they crushed it. I mean, the, the Hawks team, you know, the creative team, Brian Howe's team, it, it was just, it was so well done. I mean, I saw different player, you know, appreciation nights last season with Shawzi and I think Halmerson. Um, and those were cool, but this was just, I mean, this is sort of the talk of the league right now. I think just from everything from the players that joined him up there to his family to the video montage, it, it was it was it was awesome. I mean, I, I am with you, Chris. I wasn't really sure, um, you know, what we would be doing. Obviously, watching, but we still had a job to do not far after and a show to get prepared for. Um, so I kind of expected to be like you, kind of looking over my notes and and working over things, getting ready for the broadcast. But that was definitely not the case. It was. Um, it was, it was, you know, I, I kind of had chills at, at different times of the ceremony. I mean, there were moments on the video board that I remember watching as a hockey fan. There were moments of the video board that I was on the wrong part of the team, on the wrong side of. And so there was just a lot of emotion, uh, you know, watching all of that take place and, and you know, seeing his teammates up there and, and you know, just, just being able to be a, a witness to it was, was incredible. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was I since I started broadcasting, I've been in two ceremonies or I've watched two ceremonies, Marty St. Louis in Tampa Bay and then Marion Hosa. And I think it's cool because there's such different stories. I mean, Marty St. Louis watching it like he was such an underdog. He was beloved and just embraced by the fans there and Marion Hosa wasn't an underdog. Um, so different emotions, but he, you know, his story of losing in the finals twice and then ending up in Chicago and being, you know, one of the most humble, but quietly best two way players to ever play the game and win three cups. I mean, it's just a different story. So I always love the stories that come with some of the players we're seeing now whose jerseys are being retired. There's going to be more Hawks jerseys, like he said, in the future that are. There were probably two or three moments um, that stood out to me the most during the ceremony, and that was one, his daughters were so cute. Oh, my God. Baby, baby slept the whole time, and the other two were like, <laughs> wouldn't show their teeth when they were smiling. Like, they were so funny and just constantly waving, like, such a different – Thing for them not having lived in the U.S. you know I mean they grew up there but coming back now and they're still young like to see that type of energy and experience in Chicago in the madhouse for your dad and like how cute that was for them uh, so I loved his daughter's reactions to it and they were funny I also loved you know his very short but I thought so emotional response to his brother that was probably the only time I thought maybe he was going to get emotional with Marcel talking about how he'd always be there for him. It was maybe the shortest he'd said, but 
um, so emotional and, and so cool. Um, you know, having a brother who also played, it can get competitive. And and I thought it was amazing how supportive his entire family has been with him throughout his career. So those were two of the, my favorite moments from the actual ceremony watching it. And then just Marion feeding off the crowd with the Detroit Sucks chants going and <laughs> random people yelling, we love you, Haas, during it. To, to be able to make a speech in a situation like that, I thought he did a tremendous job. And in talking to different players and interviewing them, it I mean, getting your jersey retired, not that it means more than the Hall of Fame, but it, it hits different on an emotional level because, you know, you're you're in that organization and your memories there are cemented forever, your legacy with that team. So I think in that sense, it, that's why it's so emotional and so cool. And I really appreciated everything that he had to say, and he just embodied who he was that entire time. Kayla, you mentioned the – kind of his kids, especially his two oldest daughters, being able to see and experience and feel the energy inside the United Center. And that was the coolest part about the entire day for me. Again, it's my first full season in the organization, but seeing the passion that Blackhawks fans have, especially really for anyone involved with the three Stanley Cup championships, and, and the coolest part about the day for me, big picture, was that you had all seven guys who were a part of all three of those Stanley Cup championship teams. And I think, it, you know, looking at, at stuff behind the scenes, maybe things that you didn't see if you were in the arena or watching on television, the reception that Patrick Sharp and Nicholas Jalmerson and Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook got your dad too was there Kaylee as well uh you know that that the fans in the atrium had you know when when Marion Hossa at one point appeared on the bridge that overlooks the atrium the crowd there was this huge roar that just erupted from the crowd and I was looking around thinking did they put something on a video board or but sure enough they noticed instantly as soon as Marion Hossa walked out on on the bridge and I guess personally for me, it was really cool leading the Q&A panel with Sharp and Jalmerson and Keith and Seabrook. And again, seeing the reaction that fans have uh, to those players, it's, it's amazing. And I've never really been around, certainly I've never covered anything like it where, where the star power shines so brightly. So I don't know if, if, if Colby, if, you, if there's anything you know from a behind-the-scenes perspective that you saw or witnessed on the event that that maybe wasn't present necessarily to someone watching either in person or on the screen. You know what? I think that uh, the rock star factor for these guys, um, we've seen it with Sharpie because obviously we all spend time with Sharpie. He works with us. Um, you know, we were in Milwaukee standing in the middle of that courtyard. And I mean, you would have think somebody just was handing out hundred dollar bills the way people flock to Patrick Sharp. Um, and, and, you know, Kaner and Taves obviously are still playing. So it's a little bit different. The access level is a little bit different. So we've really only seen, I've only really seen it with Sharpie. Um, that I think was, I'm not surprised, but I guess I just wasn't ready for it. Um, even down under the arena, you know, when the players were coming off 
when the guys were coming off the ice from the ceremony, I was standing by the Zamboni doors because I was kind of thinking I only had about five or six minutes to get out to the between the bench spot before warm-up started. And the minute these guys came off the ice, sort of one at a time, Seabrook, Keith, you know, you know the rest of the lineup, even the people who are working at the United Center in the, the, the group of game day employees and this and that that change things over and get all the stuff off the ice and they're doing all the heavy you know lifting and the work, they even flock to these guys and are getting pictures and, and just they just want to be close to them. I mean, it's, it's literal rock star treatment. And, and I've seen it with with your dad Kaylee a little bit at the United Center people they just start like edging their way towards him in hopes that maybe they'll work up the courage to ask him for a picture or an autograph or something Uh, but then when you bring all those guys together it was you know watching people's faces and and you know people that probably have seen and had access to these guys for a long time they still just turn into like little kids who just saw Santa Claus for the first time um, and, I, and I think that, that that's really cool to see. I, I think those are the, the things that, you know, don't show up on camera. They don't show up on, um, you know, podcasts. They don't show up in interviews. It's just that, you know, childish-like uh, excitement that people get around this group of players. Yeah, to add to that, it's funny how I even remember in Detroit, like, very vividly the – woman who would serve everybody lunch after practice every day her name was Leslie and so when you mention the behind the scenes people even the woman who works the family room for the last 30 years for the Blackhawks like they light up when they see guys like that because what a time it was when they won three cups to be a Blackhawk to be a fan and all the behind the scenes people Frankie who parks and gets their cars ready for them every single game like, they're so excited, and they were so excited last night, now that you say that, to see this group of guys that was such a a special, fun, at the time, very young group to to make it all happen for Chicago. Yeah, the ceremony was really the culmination of a, of a wonderful week for the organization, its fans, its former players. And once again, we were fortunate to sit down with Marion Hosa himself, talk a little bit about... His time in Chicago, what it means to have his number forever retired in the United Center, and a little bit about his history with the game of hockey and what the future has in store for the only number 81 in Blackhawks history. So let's go to that interview now with Marion Hosa. Only one 81, and we're thrilled to be joined by the only player in Blackhawks history to wear the number 81. And that's going to stay that way as Marion Hosa's number will be in the rafters of the United Center forever. Marion Hosa joins the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Thanks so much for being here with us, especially in, in what's been a crazy week for you, coming back to the United States, back to Chicago for this ceremony. All of the accolades that you've won as a player, of course, three Stanley Cups with the Blackhawks, all the accolades you've continued to win since you stopped playing, you're in the Hockey Hall of Fame now. Your jersey is going to be retired at the United Center and will never be worn again by a member of this organization. How does that honor compare to all of the other accolade, accolades and awards that you've received in your career? Well, this is uh, this is amazing, and uh, it's 
it's not something you play for. You play for to win uh, Stanley Cups. Uh, you win. You try to play for winning the hockey games. Enjoy the time with the guys in the dressing room. Uh, the wins just feels uh, great, and that's why you play hockey. And uh, all of a sudden, you go to Hall of Fame. Then your jersey going to the rafters, and there's like so many unbelievable things happening for me. So I'm uh, really uh, humble about it, and it's such an honor that my uh, they decide to retire my jersey because I understand in a almost 100-year history of this uh, franchise, original six, only seven people are in front of me. So this is like special, and I want to thank everybody, uh, you know, obviously the Words family to deciding uh, that my jersey will go up, and it's an amazing feeling. How did the phone call compare that that was happening compared to the Hall of Fame phone call, and who was the first person you told that your jersey was going to be retired into the rafters? So they, there is two phone calls you never forget. Uh, Lenny McDonald when he called me in 2020 and told me the news. Uh, there was uh, there was a special phone call, and uh, I remember it uh, vividly. And also, uh, you know, we were having a Zoom call with uh, with uh, Rocky and Danny Wards, Jamie Faulkner, uh, my agent, and myself. And uh, I was kind of preparing, you know, they're going to announce to me uh, that uh, they want to uh, sign me for one-day deal with the team so I can retire as a Blackhawk. I didn't want to retire as a Coyote. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, so they announced it to me, and I was so happy, you know, uh, Rocky, you know, uh, stayed by his word. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, f three years later or four years later, he told me the news, and uh, that was just great, great feeling, you know, to retire as a Blackhawk. But that wasn't it. Uh, he just told me after, we got one more news for you. And I was like, no, really? I said, what is it? <laughs> and uh, when he told me the news about retiring my number, I was speechless. I had the chills all sudden through my body going, and uh, I didn't know what to say, so that was just uh, one of the phone calls you won't forget. Did you tell your wife right after who was the first person when you got to like process that that you could talk to about it? Yeah, I told my wife, and uh, I could tell uh, she had the tears in her eyes, so there was, uh, there was a moment uh, uh, I remember, and uh, you know, I don't cry uh, Pretty much at all. She told. She always told me, "You like the rock, you know. Like you don't <laughs> cry. You no emotions or anything." I do have emotions, but I hidden. <laughs> so, uh, like I'm saying, no tears. You know, we'll see on Sunday, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so this is amazing. Uh, you know, soon as we land in Chicago, you, I look at my kids on the airplane, and they couldn't wait to get out of the plane and uh, to be in the city where they grew up. Did you ever think all this? would happen was possible you started your hockey in Slovakia you know you're a god over there I've witnessed it I, I, I spent time in that country playing um, and I've seen how they talk about you and Z and, and Gabarek you know players like that growing up you know like watching hockey in your country and then starting to realize that you know maybe you were good enough to, to come over here but there was no twitter there was not youtube so you're probably not seeing all the hockey going on over here like when did it start to register for you that you could come over here you could do this and you know did you have these goals and dreams were these realistic thoughts for you that one day you were going to be you know, a, a, a founding member, you know, guy, a Hall of Famer, Jersey retires, names all over the Stanley Cup. I mean, I could spend the next hour listing off all the great <laughs> things that you've done as a player. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, I never 
in my mind uh, were thinking about these things. Uh, you know, my goal when I was a young kid, you know, I enjoyed to play hockey. Thanks God I was, uh, you know, I had my talent. So I started working with the talent. And uh, that was my goal to make to the men's team in Dukla Trenčín. You know, that was my first goal. Then second goal was like play for my national team. And obviously, uh, next goal was uh, when I saw a short footage in, uh, during the communist times, and there was like guy with wearing nine, number 99 playing for Edmonton. I was like scoring hat tricks, and I was like, wow, like what was that league? What was that guy? You know, like what is it? I started searching. Obviously, there was no internet, no Google, nothing. But they were sh showing more and more footage from the National Hockey League. So. I got in love uh, with uh, with hockey even more, you know. And then one time I bought a tape. There was a trading show, trading the cards, and there was like video tape, the VHS tape of Wayne Gretzky. <laughs> so I traded so many of my cards to get a tape, you know. And I ran home, <laughs> so to watch it right away, I put it on video. You're aging yourself right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went straight home, watched the video. I, w I watched that tape so many times, and I went to the practice, and I tried to do those things he did. So he was such an ins inspiration for me, and uh, you know, that was my goals, that was my dreams, and uh, I started having my favorite players. Did you tell him that story at any point? Does he know about that? Uh, no, because I didn't uh, cross the paths. Uh, only one time uh, when he was uh, during 2016 World Cup in Toronto. So he came to our dressing room uh, because uh, he knew Anze Kopitar. So we were sitting there and he came over to say hi. That was a cool moment, but I didn't have a chance to tell him that story. <laughs> but I got the signed jersey by Wayne and uh, personalized it to me and by Mary Lemieux to my favorite players. Oh, there we go. Yeah. That, that, that's amazing to hear that that was the original inspiration in many ways for a, for your career that eventually led to over 1,300 games in the NHL and over 1,100 points, of course three Stanley Cups. Can you believe that once upon a time there, there was considered a, a Hosa Hex and that you, know, you, were, you were chasing Stanley Cups for a while and that, that you were the guy that, that for a lot of other reasons you know, was always so close but never the guy lifting the cup. I mean, given the way that your career has, has ended and now continues to go, um, do you ever reflect back to you know, the ups and downs and, and just what a, what a journey it's been to get to this point? Uh, well, uh, there was, yeah, there was the moment after second loss, you know, uh, you know, this guy is unlucky, you know, he's never going to win. And uh, you hear this type of uh, words, uh, this type of uh, noise around and uh, it's either going to, you know, make you or break you. And, uh, you know, it's up to you. It's about your, your mindset, how you're going to face it. And I, I knew I am, you know, pretty good hockey player. And I knew I got a great players around me, so I wasn't worried about it. You know, I was just worried about for the new year. I knew I'm gonna be free agent again. I knew there's gonna be expectation, and I knew I need to be prepared the best I could be. And that was my goal. And I blocked all the, you know, negative voices. And uh, my focus was straight, you know, to the top mountain. And I started again in the gym, you know, day by day to become better. And you know, when people were talking to me about this. You know, I just laugh about it, and you know, I knew there is a new year coming. Still, were at uh, my prime, so I knew my best years are about to come. And uh, you know, even I lost in Detroit. You know, I met Shelly, I met Nicholas Lindstrom. You know, Pavel Datsuk, and those guys give me so much. I learned so much that year. Even I lost, but I gained so much from that year. So, uh, uh, you know, people thought I chased Stanley Cups. Well, to Pittsburgh, I went by 
not my choice. Uh, I, was, sure. I was traded there, right. but there was great, great experience. I met my hero, uh, Mario Lemieux there. So, uh, you know, playing with Sidney Crosby, that was just amazing an experience. So, uh, there is nothing to regret. Uh, and, you know, best times came to play for Chicago Blackhawks uh, with, uh, with uh, not one cup, but three cups. And uh, I was lucky I was in a great environment. And uh, that's why I want to keep in touch with this team, uh, you know, even after my career. I remember, like, as a kid, obviously, like, my dad played with you, and I didn't really pay that much attention to the games itself, but I I was sensitive, and I totally remember, like, when Detroit beat you in Pittsburgh, and then when you came to Detroit, seeing you lose again, like, I felt bad for my dad, but at the same time, I was like, this poor guy just found t Pittsburgh in the final again, and... You know, everybody had great things to say about you, still do. My dad, like, he used to call his legs the money makers. You might not be that skilled, but you got to have the best money makers in the game. And he was like, Marion was such a pain to play against because he was so strong and had skill. It wasn't just a power forward, like, so hard to defend against. So I know in your book you talked about, you know, those two losses in the final and how they made you tougher. I'm just curious what your thoughts were when you joined Chicago and, like, in Detroit, you know, my dad, Lidstrom, dad, they're all a lot older, like between 28, 38. Like Nick Lidstrom was, I think, 38 years old then when you were there. And then you go to Chicago and like Taze and Kane are 21 and just these young superstars. Like what was your impression as you take what you learned from those two losses? You said they made you tougher. Like did you feel like there was something special brewing in 2010 for you, for the Hawks, and like, what did you make of the confidence from these really young superstars that were eventually going to be a key part of winning cups with you? Uh, great question. Uh, that was uh, There's a lot. Sorry. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's all right. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, when I came to Detroit, you know, uh, I right away clicked with the older players for some reason. You know, they took me under their wings, and uh, you know, we had a cup, one Slovak, one Czech guy there. Mm -hmm. So I hang out with those guys, but after they were sitting on the back of the plane, and I was sitting there, you know, with, with, there was a there was table with the with the cards, and I joined them. There was uh, Chelly, Nick Lindstrom, uh, there was Thomas Holmstrom was sitting there, and I I, I joined them too, and. They opened a bottle of wine. I was like, well, this is fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like long flight, somewhere to Vancouver. So we enjoyed the wine. And uh, we were just chatting. Uh, you know, everybody just strip off uh, from the suits. They put the, you know, just comfortable clothes. And uh, I just love the atmosphere, you know, since yeah. the day one there. And uh, I was watching them, how they handled themselves after losses, you know, how they work hard. I saw Charlie, you know, taking the bicycle, you know, I. I I just heard the stories, and all of a sudden, I'm witnessing that in the dressing room. You know, there is Charlie in a bike with a dressing room. Uh, I mean, in, in a sauna, uh, biking. And I said, I need to try that too. You know, like it's something new. And I couldn't handle it, so I said, I done it once, and I said, no more. I said, I don't know how he does it. You know, <laughs> that's that's, that's great. what he did to us. Yeah. We'd get grounded. So if you ever need a, a punishment for your daughters, <laughs> throw them in the sauna. No, oh, no, child services. That's fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was amazing oh, to gosh. to see Sorry, because Dad. before that you were just hearing it and uh, now it's like I see it you know through my eyes. I was like, wow, this is legend, you know. <laughs> and um, basically, you know, I learned so much from those guys. You know how they work after practice. I mean, after practices at the gym, after the games, they go to the gym and uh, you know they keep working hard. Even they already won like two, three Stanley Cups at the time, and uh, they just keep working and uh, you know. They had fun over the ice, but as mm -hmm. soon as there was the game, there was a 
practice, preparation, they're ready, you know. So they separate those two things, and uh, I really like that. True professionals, and uh, that's why they were so successful. And, uh, and uh, then when I came to join the Blackhawks, uh, I, I remember in Detroit, a uh, family room, right? Family room in Detroit, you go there, there is like, you know, wife with the two, three, sometimes four kids, you know, they're running around like so busy, right? I'm looking for my wife, you know, of back then my girlfriend, you know, she's sitting in the corner there talking to somebody. I said, okay, let's go. Then a year later, fast forward, you go to Chicago dress, uh, family room, just <laughs> no young kids. girlfriends, you know, <laughs> no kids at all, like no one kid, you know, and that was like to me. I came to the dressing room, guys are doing pranks, you know, like, uh, you know, loud dressing room, things are throwing, you know, left and right, doing uh, to each other, like, you know, different things, and if you're looking at it, it's like, <laughs> it's like, I just came to the junior league, you know, like, this, what is this? But that uh, gave me so much energy playing with the young guys, and uh, they were so much fun, and uh, that uh, fun just translated on the ice, you know, with the great coaching staff, and uh, we had so much fun. Well, you've played with some legendary captains, and you know you talk. I, I've heard you talk a lot about your admiration for Zdeno Chara and how serious he was on the ice. Um, what was you know, they call Jonathan Taves Captain Serious around here? You got him when he was a young guy. If I remember pr correctly, watch a hockey game that Marion Hosa played. You'd see smiles on your face throughout a lot of those hockey games. I mean, I even remember. You know the nat or seeing you play in Atlanta with Kovalchuk and like you guys were always smiling and like laughing out on the ice. Then you come here, you've got a young Jonathan Tate, young Patrick Kane, Captain Sirius. How 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 was that? You know, sort of helping him mold his way into like being captain. And I mean, those guys credit you so much with everything. I mean, even now. Um, how did those guys, you know, how did Taves stack up to, to Chara and, and some of those other guys? And, I, I mean, did you sort of guide him a little bit in, in that way? Uh, that was uh, interesting because uh, I came here and uh, those two guys were super young. And uh, you could tell the potential, you know, they were stars and they become superstars. And, uh, you know, they won lots of games for us. And uh, when we need a lift, you know, at the key moments, those two guys just step up when we need them. And uh, in a such a young age, uh, that's a special thing to do. And uh, obviously, there was a th there was a games when uh, Johnny got frustrated, you know, and he was like, "Come on, guys, you know, it's been working." And you know, he started being <laughs> he started being uh, negative, you know, a little bit. So obviously, he meant it in a good way, right? But sometimes, you know, some younger guys could uh, take it and uh, you know, like or start being scared because he's getting mad, you know. So I told him, like, you know, just relax, you know, like, let's work hard, but, you know, don't get mad, you know. And then I didn't say much, uh, and I think he started understanding it, you know, even for his own game, it's better not to get frustrated because your game going to start going down. And I think uh, he learned to be more positive, and uh, not because of me, but I think because of the situation. And uh, like I said, I wasn't the biggest vocal guy in the dressing room. But I think when I say a few words, you know, I think he's paid attention and he tried to take it to his advantage. And Kainer was opposite. He was trying to have fun, you know, he was laughing. I remember he was telling me, remember the game in Ottawa one year? I said, yeah, I do remember. He's like, we had so much fun. We both ended up with zero points, but we were <laughs> smiling. We had a bug on the stick. We, we hit like five poles, but we, that was the moment. That, that's a game I remember, he said. 
I said, it's funny, you remember games, we had zero points, and <laughs> we just keep laughing, you know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I remember that game too. So Kaner, you know, he like, you know, obviously he got frustrated too certain times, but, um, you know, his different personality, and, uh, you know, that guy is like magic man. Yeah, he is. Well, there weren't many games when you and Patrick Kane had zero points, so I can understand why you would why you would remember those games. <laughs> There's also, you know, the, the great moment in, in 2010 when Jonathan Taves is is has lifted the Stanley Cup and he and he says, "Where's Haas?" and and passes it off to you. I wanted to ask you about one moment on that 2010 Cup run, your first one in particular. Do you ever think about? The first series, you know, way back in in the conference quarterfinals against Nashville, when it's it's two two and you're down three to two in you know in the final minute of game five on the verge of of going down three to two in that first series and you're in the penalty box, so the Hawks are playing down a man in the final minute and Patrick Kane scores a shorthanded goal to tie the game, send it to overtime, and then you hop out of the box in overtime and score the game winner, you know, it, it, it wasn't a series clinching win, but it, it puts you up three to two in that first round. You go on, of course, to, to win game six, beat Nashville in that first round, and then the, the train's on, on track and, and you go all the way and win the Stanley Cup. Do you ever think about that, that moment as being so pivotal, you know, just in the early going of the playoffs? You came in with with a lot of momentum from the regular season, of course, but of, of all the the moments that that you can reflect on 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 your three Stanley Cup runs, does that does that goal in overtime against Nashville ever ever come up come across your mind? Uh, definitely, uh, I think that was my biggest goal, uh, you know, in Chicago or in my career because even that game uh, didn't win us a Stanley Cup. Uh, that game uh, didn't uh, uh, finish the series. But I think that game just gave us so much confidence, uh, not because I scored, but because you know we were down. We find a way to score shorthanded when we pulled the goalie, Patrick Kane, you know, score. I was still sitting in a penalty box. I got five minutes, you know, in that game. I, I, I don't think I ever got five minutes in my career, you know, because I wasn't fighting much. And what was Kane yeah. doing on a penalty kill? Uh, well, we have to. <laughs> strategy, <laughs> strategy. Well, we were pulling the goalie, so I think, uh, you know, uh, we need to score a goal. So obviously you put the best players there. And when he scored a goal, I, I look at the clock. I was like celebrating, but at the same time, I was like, you know, praying. He's like, there's still so much time. It's gonna be fresh ice uh, going to the overtime. And they had Shea Weber, you know, with a big mm -hmm. shot. I was like, just, you know, please don't score. Please don't score, you know. As like soon as hour. the guys did actually, yeah. Humongous feeling. Yeah. Oh. And those guys just did unbelievable job, killing a whole five minutes penalty. And uh, I just jumped on a, from the penalty box. I saw we had a, like zone time. Mm -hmm. So I went straight to the net. I just bounced, luckily to me. And I just all I have to do, shovel it to the half empty net. And uh, that was uh, just the best moment. And I never in my career celebrated like that. Yeah, that was the best I, celebration yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but just the emotion just came through mm -hmm. me. And I just did something unexpected. And uh, yeah, that was a big goal. And you know, that. That uh, win gave us so much lift for the next rounds. I heard you say that Taze told you before you guys won the Stanley Cup that he would give you the cup before. Are you superstitious? Or like, what did you think of him saying that before, especially with, I'm sure, how much pressure you're putting on yourself at this point to get close again? So uh, 
before the game six in Philadelphia, Four Season Hotel, uh, after lunch. <laughs> Never forget it. Yeah, uh, we're standing in front of the elevator, and I'm just thinking, like, going to bed, like, you know, getting some nap. Try to fall asleep right before the big game like that. It's like third final on a row, and, like, I'm thinking my head just starts spinning, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, this young kid come up to me, and I was like, hey, Hoss, you know, just, just be ready. In case everything goes right, you'll be the first guy I handed to. I was like, what? It's <laughs> like, Why really? Did you say tell anybody that he told you that or no? Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, I'm like, uh, like I'm not that superstitious, mm -hmm. but I'm. That's a lot, though. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I am watching you, like you know, at a certain point, like what to say, what to not say, mm -hmm. and I was just blowing away. I uh, and that actually that uh, little talk gave me so much jump, you know, and uh, so much uh, inspiration. I was like, this little kid, you know, just doesn't <laughs> care, you know. But I guess when you're so young, you know, you don't know mm -hmm. more or better. You just go with the flow. And He hadn't yeah. played in the final yet at that point, right? And yeah. you had obviously had a couple of finals in a row. So I guess he didn't under maybe he didn't understand. Uh, ex the yeah, too. exactly, exactly. So, so I'm sure, like, that would be different probably for those guys, you know, right now when they're older, more experienced. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was uh, something you'll never forget. So what was the instant emotion then when Kane scored the OT winner and there was that delay, obviously with the officials gathering and you talked about talking to them, like once you knew, like what was your emotional state? So I think uh, like half a bench jump on the ice, right. half a bench I sit uh, on a bench and just staring like what's going on. And I was like halfway, I was sitting on a board, one leg on the ice, one leg on the bench, <laughs> I was like, I was like, was it goal? Wasn't it goal? Like this is gonna be awful if you know we start <laughs> celebrating and they said there was no goal, and uh, so I went straight to the referees. You know, I, I didn't celebrate it yet. I went straight to the referees, asked them like, guys, like what's going on? It I need to know. <laughs> yeah, I need to know <laughs> from you, know you guys. Right now. <laughs> the key decision was a puck in really, or so he's like, uh, we checking on it, and right in a split second, you know, they told me, yeah, it's a goal. You know, they got it from upstairs. So I straight, you know, monkey off my back. Yeah, I start feeling like free and start <laughs> celebrating, and that was just the best moment. Just relief. Relief, yeah, yeah. exactly. What did uh, What did you do in in the, on the first cup? Your day with the cup? How uh, How did you celebrate that? Uh, well, the best part is I think for me are right after like we have uh, you know we win, you go to the dressing room, the champagnes everywhere, cigars, and uh, you know media come, and after when they leave, there is only the team. You know, trainers, coaching staff, players, nobody else. And you got a chance for a few minutes to celebrate it with the group. You were in a war for two months. And to me, that was just the best celebration for each of those cups to be in the dressing room. Obviously, we had so much fun right after, too, but that was so strong, you know, emotionally. And you just remind yourself, like, what you went through, you faced uh, adversities, and uh, you went through it. And that's a special team. Did you bring it back to Slovakia each time? Yeah, yeah. I bring it home. Uh, I was lucky to have it like uh, for a day, maybe a little bit more. And uh, yeah, we, we try to just to enjoy the time. And, and you've, you've had a great international career playing for your, your home country of Slovakia as well. And, and you're still involved over there growing the game of hockey. Looking ahead, what's, what's next for you, either in the game in Slovakia and the game in, in North America? Where do you kind of see What's your next goal on, on your list? So um, I talked to Miro Shatan, which is like uh, the boss of the Slovak Hockey Federation. And, uh, you know, he offered me, you know, any 
basically type of uh, job if I want to be involved with the team. But uh, I told him, like, thank you for the offer. I, I wasn't ready, you know, and uh, I want to take the time away from hockey when I come home after my career because uh, I wouldn't see myself traveling to Bratislava and, you know, being more on the road again than before. So I, you know, politely tell him, like, thank you, but uh, this is not the time. So I want to just take the time off. I have my company uh, back in Slovakia, uh, so pretty busy with that. Uh, on a little little golf golf course too, uh, sports center. So busy with that, and obviously now a third daughter was born. So congratulations! Uh, yeah, Congrats. thank you. Uh, so three girls, uh, huh? three girls, yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's been great, but uh, pretty busy. And already talking with the uh, with the Blackhawks to try to stay connected, you know, with the team I love, uh, and uh, you know, definitely, I'm sure we're gonna work out something great. With how young your your youngest is too, I assume then you'll probably always have a home base then in Europe, and then whatever capacity you're going to be with the Blackhawks, your family will probably stay there, and you'll just kind of travel and commute. Or is there any possibility that your family comes back to the U.S. with your company over there? Uh, probably not. But uh, mm -hmm. that was funny because my wife uh, came uh, back to Chicago uh, a few days ago after five years, and uh, you know it was cool to see on my kids and her. Mm -hmm. uh, they start traveling to the places, so, you know, to the parks where they play when they were little. Then we live right across the Northwestern Hospital when the middle one was born. So they took a picture there and uh, you could see the <laughs> smile on their faces. And uh, little things like my wife just want to go to the Whole Foods because that's where she spent <laughs> lots of time. Uh, so she went to the Whole Foods. They she don't came have back. one of those in Trench? No, no Whole Foods uh, because in Whole Foods everything looks so delicious. You know? It does, yeah. yeah. You, you just I feel, feel like you want to eat everything. <laughs> and she came back and she told me like she was excited about Whole Foods, you know, and she she said like, you know, it's amazing, you know. I said, I, I, I want to come back and live here, you know. Uh, she didn't mean <laughs> the that. The Whole Foods but is bringing the, her back. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, just the little things, the excitement yes. about them, you know, the, the pirate booties, the things they like, the kids when they were little. <laughs> yeah. so, so little things, and uh, I was like sitting back there, it's like, you know, this is unbelievable, you know, it's just great memories uh, when we were leaving here, and uh, it's fun to see the smile on their faces. Well, we hope that you end up coming back more and more often. Yeah. It's been great to catch up, and we're so excited about seeing your number on Sunday. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, you look I like you're in pretty good shape. You could probably still uh, throw the skates on out and go out maybe there and one, score one, a goal yeah, or two. Get a know? shift in or something. Maybe. We could use some goals some nights around here, you know? Yeah, I think those guys are too fast for me. I, I never had a problem with the speed, but, you know, the game just speed up so much. And uh, even I, you know, uh, I think I'm in still pretty good shape. I, you know, uh, watching myself, uh, I go to the gym. I am into boxing now. So uh, I, I love to stay in, uh, connected with the sport, but you know I'm sure if I would step on the ice, I would be step slower. You and, you and Big Z going a couple of rounds in the summer in the ring or what? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Big Z is boxing, but uh, if he would decide, I think he would destroy people. <laughs> that guy is a machine, and uh, you know obviously uh, he beat Shelly's record, right? Uh, yeah. I thought, uh, he was secretly not that happy about it, yeah, but he yeah. loves Big Z, so know, he was I proud know. of him. Yeah. And, uh, but that guy is a machine, so uh, you know it's impressive what he done with his career. And I remember his uh, Big Z as a little kid, uh, you know, funny-looking uh, hockey player because the skates uh, were so small, his toes were like this in the skates. Like, you never, his pants uh, were like looked like a shorts because uh, they didn't have long pants, and obviously the sticks back then yeah. they didn't have uh, extensions. Yeah. So can you imagine like how he was skating bent over with I the shorts? 
and uh, it's amazing he become a Norris Trophy winner, Stanley Cup champion, and uh, you know uh, the most games as a D and beating Chelly, you know another mm -hmm. legend. So it's amazing. When you were talking about that on I don't remember someone else's podcast about Z, I was cracking up just thinking about him with like short hockey yeah. pants. <laughs> I uh, I think you should give Patrick Sharp your your workout plan when you see him this weekend too. You know, if so just a, just a quick just a quick just a quick suggestion. If he, he might not ask for it, but uh, well, I think Sharp is pretty good shape. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm sure he he. he I mean, it's always good to he, to get other you know second opinions. But and Sharpie like likes that to too. he still likes to get out on the ice and wheel around or get the rollerblades <laughs> on. I mean, he's like going to the local rinks, like asking if he can play pickup hockey with the kids in Connecticut. You know, he's missing it. If he's yeah, yeah, that. yeah, yeah, definitely. He, he always loved it, and uh, you know, he's one of the best shooters I ever played with. Like he can pick the corners, and uh, you know, uh, it was pretty impressive. Well, well, he's let's he, make sure we edit that part out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, Marion, host of the Hall of Famer, saying Sharpie's the best shooter he ever played with. We got to make sure we edit that out. He, he's so excited for you and, and, and so proud of you and, and really looking forward to, to the weekend ceremony as well here in Chicago. And thank you so much for doing this. Again, you, you've had so many interview requests throughout the week, and it, it's really special for you to take some time and, and spend it with us on the Blackhawks Insider podcast. So I'll, I'll just say, as, as we let you go, you know, I, it's my first year in the organization, and I've, I've got almost 100 years of history to, to catch up on. But you were one of the first names that I heard about when I, when I became a part of the Blackhawks you know, as, as the most significant free agent signing by far, really, in franchise history. And, and so it's been a, a lot of fun getting to know about the contributions that you made to the to the three Stanley Cups, and we're all so excited to have you as part of the organization in the future. And and again, congratulations, and can't wait to have number eighty one in, in the rafters for good. It's going to be really special. Thank you guys for having me. It was fun, you know, to chat with the young crew, and uh, <laughs> definitely looking forward, to, uh, you know, to see you guys next. Yeah, thank you. We can't wait. Only one, 81, Marion Hosa joins the Blackhawks Insider Podcast. Well, we really appreciate Marion Hosa spending so much time with us. He, he did a media blitz last week. Every media outlet in Chicago, it felt like, wanted a piece of Marion Hosa, and we really appreciate the time that he spent with us. Let's pivot into Sellies and Chirps, the segment of the show where the three of us each introduce a topic and decide if it should be celebrated or chirped. Uh, unless either of you want to go first, I can I can get us rolling today. Unless anyone's got a burning passion to start us off, the you lead the charge, yours, Chris. Chris. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, listen. We started the show talking about Thanksgiving cuisine, and I want to ask: Is celebrating Christmas in November a celly or a chirp? And I, I guess I mean when when it comes to celebrating Christmas, I mean Christmas decorations in your house. Are you listening to Christmas music? Or do we give the month of November exclusively to Thanksgiving here in the United States and then bring in Christmas right after Thanksgiving ends or December 1st? I know that for me personally, I don't have Christmas decorations up in my house, but I certainly don't begrudge seeing Christmas lights downtown in Chicago. Um, I kind of like taking the final two months of the calendar year as sort of a pan holiday time of year when yes uh you know november is definitely still focused on the harvest time and thanksgiving and then there's of course the pivot to tinseltown the the green and white 
decorations in December and, and of course all of the other holidays that are celebrated in December as well between Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and whatever else I might be forgetting. Um, so I, I'm okay with, with sort of the hybrid approach. I think you can, you can sprinkle in a, a little bit of Christmas seasoning to your Thanksgiving celebrations in, in the month of November, but what do you guys think? I'm celebrating it. I feel like, Chris, we already welcomed Santa Claus to 900 yeah. North Michigan Ave, so it wouldn't be fair to judge anybody else. But uh, I like it. Since having kids, I think we've been cheating a little bit more every year. My husband uh, usually was the anti-celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving because it's his favorite holiday. But we were listening to Dean Martin and Christmas playlists <laughs> yesterday morning as we're all getting over the plague. So... I'm all about a little bit of Christmas, like you said. I think sprinkling is the key word, a little sprinkle seasoning of Christmas to set a foundation for Thanksgiving is a good time to, to bring up the spirits. Colby, what's your what's your vibe? I'm going to surprise you on this one, Kaylee, because I know you think, you know, I'm just going to put my green Grinch hat on here and, <laughs> and chirp this all day. But you are the anti-snow. <laughs> I You're right. Not a big fan of that, but... I, I think Christmas lights are really pretty. And I think when the city starts decorating light poles and, you know, putting different elements of Christmas up in November, I think it looks great. I think people putting their Christmas trees in their windows, especially like I go out and walk the dogs all over our neighborhood. I enjoy seeing some of the different things people do. Yes. Are some people a little bit overboard? Sure. But Hey, it's to each his own. And, uh, I'm also a big Christmas music fan. I, I listen to, I think it's channel 14 on Sirius XM, which is like a Christmas, just all different Christmas songs and this and that. So I'll, I'll even throw that on, uh, on Sirius XM and, and uh, listen to the Christmas music. So I'm, I'm celebrating it, Chris. I, uh, I got no beef with that at all. Wow. The Grinch's small heart grew three sizes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd throw you guys off with that. <laughs> well, I'll love keep, to hear it. I want to keep it then on the same page. I think we're all on the same page maybe with this. I was also thinking for a cellular chirp Thanksgiving. I'm bending the rules a little bit because it's not really cellular chirp, but what's what's one thing at Thanksgiving you could do without and one thing you're like, that's that's my go-to, that's my favorite course so for me i feel like every year cranberry sauce never gets eaten it looks beautiful on the table but i've never eaten it i've never seen anybody get after that can of cranberries and then for a a mainstay i think stuffing now that i make this new one from william sonoma with focaccia <laughs> and walnuts and sausage in it it's my favorite um favorite meal of thanksgiving now in the last couple of years I'll let you go first, Chris. All right. Well, this might put a a, a permanent rift in our relationship, Kaylee, but <laughs> you like I was going to chirp stuffing, actually. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I like stuffing is what I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, it's like it stale bread crumbs, basically. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see what the, I don't see what the buzz is about stuffing. So that's, that's for me. The one, uh, the one Thanksgiving course that I will happily leave to everyone else. Um, I'll double up on the mashed potatoes, or you know, save room for an extra slice of pie or something like that. But uh, you know, and, and look, I know that 
there are there are many many ardent stuffing advocates in the world. You're certainly not the first person I've heard go to bat for stuffing, Kaylee. And I will say that I haven't tried your recipe yet. So until I try your uh, focaccia stuffing, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna write it off just yet. I'm I'm staying on the stuffing train. I I, I do not want to get full from bread. Really, no. like I I just don't. I, and and it could be a case of just never having anybody have made really good stuffing because it's just never been a focus, I guess, at our family's Thanksgiving. Although, Kaylee, as you know, in the hockey life, how often do you really get to be with your family for Thanksgiving? I mean, it's it's rare because even when we were young kids, we were playing in Thanksgiving hockey tournaments, right? It's not, you know, we were in the car on Thursday night heading to, I don't know for you, but like Toronto or Boston or somewhere from, from Philly. Um, but I would say stuffing would be my I could do without. Um, I, uh, well aware of the fact that most people love stuffing, so I'm, I'm, on, the, I'm on the minority on that one. But sweet potato casserole or pie or however, you know, we, we do the sweet potatoes and then we – put the marshmallows on top put it back in the oven the marshmallows get like that little brown crisp on the top I put that on just about everything I mean there's so much sugar and butter and (laughs) brown sugar I mean it's 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 probably the most unhealthy sweet potato dish and I mean it would rival anybody's probably from an unhealthy standpoint but I mean I literally put it on my plate I put like take my turkey and sometimes we'll even like dip it in my sweet potatoes like I do the Chris Vosters at lunch every day you know at the UC cafe where he just puts the mashed potatoes on his salad and, and God <laughs> knows what else but sometimes it's a little no I'm kidding watch, I, I don't like mashed potatoes so we just have totally different palates here <laughs> but sweet, do you like sweet potatoes like a, a mashed sweet or no yes but not um not the like loaded sweet potato yeah, that's like that's like incredibly ours. sweet <laughs> oh you would not like ours it is just like sugar just and more sugar and more sweet so it's like, yeah, why is this served with dinner? This should be served with dessert. It really yes. should. But but honestly, like at, at Thanksgiving, I could have that and turkey and be completely happy. Like I really don't need much else. So, um, but I also agree with you, Kaylee. Like I don't even think we make cranberry sauce at ours be- or cranberry because nobody eats it. It looks nice. Mm-hmm. You're right, but but nobody eats it. Um, yeah. Well, my my cellular chirp was a little more hockey focused, um, <laughs> not quite in the spirit yet as much as you guys with the food, because last night, not only did we celebrate Marion Hosa's unbelievable achievement, but it was Malkin's 1000th game. And, and I think Evgeny Malkin is an important figure in the NHL. Him, Crosby, Taves, Kane sit on a lot of active player leaderboards statistically just about all of them you see those four players um you know in a a lot of the same categories but with it being his 1000th game during warm-ups last night and and it's been all over the internet today uh you know spitting chiclets i mean just everybody charlie romiliotis everybody's been tweeting out videos of it but in warm-ups uh, the entire Pittsburgh Penguins team imitated his stretching routine where he's down on all fours and then he's on his back and his legs are going like this. And 
I'm sitting between the, the benches watching this happen. And at first I'm wondering what is going on here? Are they making fun of the Blackhawks? Are they, are they taking a shot at the Hawks because the game was running late? Like I just wasn't sure what was happening. And then as I was looking around at guys' faces, they're all laughing. They're all laughing at Malkin. And even the players on the Blackhawks were kind of watching out of the corner of their eye, um, you know, what was going on down at that end. Now, I thought it was hysterical. I was cracking up um, watching this take place. I took my phone out and, and had to get a video of it. But I'm just wondering, do Blackhawks fans celebrate that? Are you guys celebrating that? Do you think it's funny or are you chirping it and you could not care less about anything Evgeny Malkin or Pittsburgh Penguins related? Kaylee, you want to go first? You want me to go first? Yeah, I'll go. I thought it was the best thing ever I've seen in warm-ups. I was dying laughing at the synchronized stretching when their legs were in the air like a mermaid. I could not wrap my head around what on earth that could have been. I thought it was like a new, like the strength staff have implemented it because it was so, it caught me so off guard and I thought it was so funny. I'm definitely celebrating that. That was a really, I want to know who thought of that idea. I've never seen it. And for me, and he obviously does a, I've never noticed his warm-up like that. So big celebration for me. I thought that was like a top three moment for me in all warm-ups that I've seen. And it was like I couldn't even talk. I was watching it like blown away <laughs> at how in unison they were when they did it. <laughs> so good, yeah. So good. It's definitely a selly for me. I'm, I'm a big fan of just in general celebrating the game's greats and celebrating the sport uh, in addition to, of course, just the Blackhawks. Um, you know, I, I still love the fact that after Sidney Crosby scored what proved to be the game-winning goal on Sunday, the United Center booed him. So I appreciate that as well. I mean, it's not like we have to be throwing flowers at, at Getty Malkin's feet. But I, I love the, you know, the, the respect, quite frankly, that his teammates have for him by, you know, mimicking him in such a lighthearted way. And look, I tell you what, I mean, 1,000 games and almost 1,200 points – with Maybe everyone team. should do that warm-up routine. Yeah, with one team, Chris, and just sign a new four-year contract. Um, and we played well last night, you know? <laughs> I mean, he, he, he doesn't look like a guy who plans to become irrelevant anytime soon. So, you know, he could end up with, you know, 1,200 games played and, and obviously one of the game greats. And just on a totally – I would say not totally random, but I just thought of this and I was looking up, you know, Marion Hosa's stats last, you know, yesterday and throughout this week. You know, when we talk about players games played, something that I kind of bothers me is we don't really talk about how many games they played in the playoffs. And you look at a guy, I think I saw Hosa played 200 playoff games in his career, you know, Crosby, Malkin, Taves, Kane. I mean, these guys have all played upwards of 200 playoff games in their career. That equates to like maybe five seasons worth of hockey because those 82 playoff games, in my opinion, Kaylee, would be like times two or times three regular season because of the intensity. I, I don't know if you agree or disagree with that but I, I always feel like we should include all these great players playoff games when we talk about their games played your dad probably played an additional ridiculous amount of playoff games too 
Yeah, I mean, I think, too, like, it's survival of the fittest. Like, whoever is, is going to survive is going to go on to win. So that's also indicative of the type of person and player it takes to be able to play that many games. I mean, everybody will talk about the compete of Taze and Kane and the warrior mentality, like working out after games, working out every day, not taking a game off of Marion Hosa. So you're right. Like to be able to last that long, to stay healthy of, of all things, because players play through so much and half the time they're not healthy, but they're still pushing through it. And then to have the success and win championships together the way Hosa, Kane, and Taze and that group that joined him on the ice did speaks volumes about the type of people they are, but also just that warrior mentality. I mean, that's why your number goes into the Raptors. So for anybody questioning that, you know, because that was, you know, discussed before the game, Hosa's jersey going up into the Raptors at all, like, I think his numbers, and like you said, Colby, look at the playoff numbers and statistics, you, you just can't deny it. I mean, he belongs there, and he will be there forever, as it should be. Well, good stuff, everybody. That was uh, a lot of fun. And again, happy Thanksgiving to you and your families. Uh, big weekend, a big Thanksgiving weekend for the Blackhawks playing in Dallas, of course, the night before Thanksgiving, back home for a matinee against the Canadians on Friday afternoon the day after Thanksgiving, and then wrapping up the weekend with a Sunday showdown against the Winnipeg Jets, another division rival coming into the United Center. So any final thoughts before we wrap things up? Enjoy your sweet potato and your extra helping of potatoes, gentlemen. I will not be, but I'm excited for both of you to spend some time with your families, as Colby said. Don't always get to do that on Thanksgiving with sports, so we're very grateful this year to be able to share this Thursday with our families. I know all of us are getting a chance to do that. So have a great week. Hope the Hawks pick up a couple W's to make Thanksgiving that much sweeter. Our thanks to Brad Dollar and Southside Jake for the music featured on this podcast. We also wish to thank Trevor Bray and Nick Song, our Blackhawks Insider Podcast producers. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in as always. And remember, more content is always available at blackhawks.com. For Colby and Kaylee, I'm Chris wishing you nothing but a happy Thanksgiving. We will talk to you next week on the next episode of the Blackhawks Insider Podcast.